0: God, I thank you for this chance to get together tonight. God, we pray uh, during this, this time, we just take into your word. We continue this series on what it means to be a, a good friend. God, we pray um, you just speak to us tonight as we uh, we get yet another uh, story, an example from the Bible of, um, of what we can do, how we can uh, be that better friend. Pray for this time. Pray for our time in our small groups as well. We pray that we just remain focused on you and on your word and Um, and what you're trying to teach us tonight, God. In my prayer, amen. All right, so this is with you week number three. Like I said, next week, I'm going to be on the other side of this building, on the side of this uh, wall, teaching the adults because they need help, apparently, so they asked me to teach. And so Kim's going to teach you guys next week, so we're excited about that. So that doesn't mean you guys can stay home. Maddox, you have to come still. Even though Kim's teaching, you can still come up here. Okay. So, there you go, that, that, do, whatever, do whatever it takes. Are you, are you awake? Okay, all right, sure. So we've, uh, if you've been in the last few weeks, the, the goal of this series is pretty simple, just when a friend is having a hard time, we want to figure out how to be there for those people. You remember who we talked about the first week? Mark's really loud. Who did we talk about the first week? It was three weeks ago. Do the what? The Ruth was last week. So at least you guys are partly on the right track. It was about this guy and he had three friends who started off pretty good, but then ended up not so good. Who? It's the first book ever written down in the Genesis. Bible. Not Genesis. Psalms. John. Not Psalms. Matthew, Exodus, Job, the book of Job, Looked at the story of Job, how he lost everything and then he had, he had Job, he had three friends come who at first listened, just sat and listened and then eventually they opened their big mouths and made it worse. So the first week we looked at, at, um, at being, you know, just being there for your friends, that was, that, that was Job and the last week we looked at Ruth, I'm glad you guys at least got one of those, so that's good, we're, we're doing okay. So, but there, there are many reasons why we might need the help of other people. At any given time, we might have an emotional need or a, a practical need of how to meet a need practically, a, a relational need or a spiritual need. So in those last two sessions, we talked about some ways that we can help meet each other's needs emotionally and, and relationally, but today's focusing on how we can meet each other's practical needs. Because we're human, right? Which means we all have the same important practical needs so what are some practical needs that we have i'm going to write these down so make sure you're loud and i can hear you what are some practical needs that you and i have food Food. that's fantastic look at there i got one all right what else water Air, shelter, I'm not going to do PS4. Sorry. Jesus. Jesus. I'm not really a practical need, but I'll write it down anyways. This is a you write down PS4? Shoes? That's, that is fair. What if I put like shoes slash clothes? I'm going to put clothes anyways. Hats. What about? Well, it's hard to write like this because I'm above it and it's weird. Thanks, Jordan. I appreciate it. Everybody needs to feel safe and be safe. Medical supplies in case somebody's sick or something you might need, you know. Friends and family, caring adults. don't need Because we all end up perfect without those kind of things, right? we do need to live. All right. Well, that'll work for now. All right. But there are people everywhere all over the world and close to home who need greater access to essential things like clean water, shelter, food, education, safety, medical supplies. And one of the most common messages in the Bible is the, the reminder to be on the lookout for those people who, who are in need. And often those needs are very practical needs of how can I meet them at a, at a physical kind of level. Jesus and his disciples said it many times, but it's a common theme in the Old Testament. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, we're going to be in 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings 17. We're going to see how God used a prophet Elijah to help meet the needs of some people. Now, Elijah was a prophet. The prophet is just, just a messenger from God. That's what their job was, was a, to relay a message that God had given to the people. So God would often give a message to a prophet, and the prophet would share it with as many people as he possibly could. In Elijah's day, the nation of Israel, which were, of course, God's chosen people, and at this time they were being led by kings. Because um, you have the nation of Israel started out with King David, then you had King Solomon. When Solomon died, the, the nation split to Israel in the northern part, and then Judah in the southern part. And then this is the nation of Israel where he is the prophet at the nation of Israel. The northern part of the kingdom, which would be um, up there, Sea of Galilee kind of area. And there were good kings, and there were bad kings, like we would think. Um, Kings that followed God, and kings that rejected God and followed other false gods instead. And one of these kings was a guy named Ahab. You guys may have heard of Ahab. He was the seventh king of Israel, and by that point, he was the most evil Israelite king at that point in time. Ahab and his wife jezebel they both rejected god and worshiped a fake god named baal instead and so god sent elijah to give a, to give ahab a message because of their wickedness that there would be a drought in the land the nation of israel so in the midst of this drought even elijah was struggling to find food so god sent him to a creek to get water and sent ravens to bring him food and then when the creek dried up and the ravens ran out of food here's what happened in first king's 17, starting in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Remember, there's the whole drought. Now she was going to bring, and he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks and I may go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So I mean, that's, this is all she has left, a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. She's like, I'm, gonna go, I'm getting wood so I can, we can eat one last meal before we die. That's this is what this lady's saying. And so that's not, like, it's not a good good time in her life, right? And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. All right, we're gonna look at this story just for another minute or so. At first, God and Elijah kind of sound like jerks a little bit. Uh, okay, this, don't, that sounds almost heretical, but I want you to let's just pay attention. Sure, Elijah's hungry and thirsty, but so is this widow, right? It goes, you know, she's like, "I am about to, I'm about to cook this last meal, and then we're we're dying. This is what's gonna happen." And he goes and asks her for for her, her last meal, basically. And he says, like, hey, God told you to give me the rest of your stuff. And you can kind of imagine this woman just being like, yeah, that doesn't sound like I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give you the last of my food, the last of my drink. But because Elijah knows God's character, he understands why he's been sent to this woman. Elijah wasn't sent to this widow to take whatever she had left. God sent Elijah to this woman to help her. And through Elijah, God provides this woman and her son with the miracle that they need. And as a result, they're able to make all the food they and Elijah need. Because if, if, if you didn't pick up on the last part there, it said that the, the flour jar and the olive oil jar, they never ran dry. You guys, pick, you guys kept seeing this? Like, no matter what they scooped out, they would go back to scoop later, and they'd say that scoop would be back in there. Like, it never went empty. This doesn't seem really cool and exciting to anybody. Awesome. Sweet. But this is a miracle, okay? This, isn't, this is not how things typically happen. In our natural world, you don't pour an olive oil to where it's empty. Go back the next time, and it's just full on its own. This is a miracle. You guys got this. You guys don't seem like you're understanding how big of a deal this is. This woman was about to die. Now she's not dying. Okay, get it. It's a big deal. It's a simple story. Um, but it, it says here too that you know he he stayed he didn't just go for the get the food and water and, and, and stuff for this woman. But He stayed and stayed with, with this lady for some time this, and her son. I think this, this story communicates a few important things about how, what to do or what to do when somebody's in need. Whether you identify more with Elijah, maybe more with the, the widow and her son, the story can show us a few things. The first thing it shows is that we need each other. God gives us, help, gives us each other to help meet each other's needs. Elijah may have helped provide for the widow and her son, but the widow provided for the needs of Elijah too and gave him that water and that food. And then God works through us. There are be people in our world, in our country, in our neighborhoods, in schools who are in need, but like Elijah, we have to be willing to go where God sends us. And then we also need to realize that there's enough for everyone. Rather than being driven by selfishness, for, or fear, Elijah and the widow trusted that God would provide enough for everybody. But it required sharing their extra resources instead of just hoarding the things that they had. And the fourth thing is that relationships matter. Elijah didn't just send this family a check in the mail or perform a miracle and then just kind of leave and check out. This wasn't just an obligation, wasn't just charity work to check off, but they also built relationship. Over time, they, they had that relationship that built up. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 25, 40. Matthew twenty five forty. In Elijah's time, it was clear that God cared about caring for people in need. It's clear that that was still God's heart when Jesus was here a few hundred years after the time of Elijah. In Jesus' time, some people believed believe that God wanted certain people To suffer. That's what the belief was, that God wanted certain groups of people to suffer. They thought, well, maybe these people deserved it for sins in their life. Maybe they deserved it for their parents' sin. Whatever it was. But when Jesus showed up, he showed us a little bit different way of how to deal with people. Because Jesus truly cared about everybody. He sought out people who had needs and he helped meet those needs. But he also spent time with them. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said, when he returned, he'll ask all of us how we helped our neighbors when they were in need. Did we give food and water to the hungry and the thirsty? Did we take care of strangers? Did we give clothes to those who need them? Did we care for sick people? Did we visit prisoners? This is all coming from the words of Jesus that he says there in Matthew. In verse 40 of Matthew 25, And the king will answer him, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus saw people's needs, but he also saw their humanity. And he calls us to do the exact same thing. Instead of ignoring or not noticing the needs of the people around us, we're asked to do what Elijah and the widow did and what Jesus did, and that's to be with people when they're in need. So let me ask you this question. Why don't more people do more to help meet the needs of others? I think it's a question that we should all be asking ourselves. And what are some barriers, maybe, that prevent you from meeting the needs of other people? I've already started working on our schedule for the summer, all the different things that we do, because we don't typically meet. Um, on Wednesday so nights, we do different things throughout the summer, just fun things, like Whataburger Wednesdays and Taco Thursdays and just different stuff like that. Yeah, your shirt. Uh, we did other things. We did cow football and just other things that we did. Um, would you guys want to play Caltung football this year? Yeah.
1: Football with a cow tongue. Logan, Logan.
0: Yes. No. Yes. A cow with some the tongue head. of a cow. The tongue of a cow. It's like really big. Yes. It's like this big. It's like it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like squishing his blood. It's like ultimate freezer. Like yes. Dabby Jackson. Dabby Jackson that licked it. I have a picture. You licked it last year. Like a stud. Watermelon Wars? Yeah, you did break some toes. Alright, but anyways, so part of this schedule that I'm making for the summer, if you remember last year, last year we went and worked at the Jubilee Center, you guys remember that? Went to the Jubilee Center, um, Brandon was accosted by a police officer for working the corner, um, and we just volunteered and helped give out food to people. That was, that's, that's meeting a practical need of people in our community. So we're going to do that again, I've already been in touch with, we're going to do that again, um. We're going to go some weekday to the Baptist Crisis Center and do things because they need work in the middle of the day. And so we're going to do that one, one day. I know adults may be kind of hard for y'all, but we can still go. Um, and so, so we're going to find ways this summer where we can meet practical needs of other people. If you've been on our Instagram, you've seen the different things that you guys can do to meet the needs of other people. When I set, share out those service things you guys can be doing to help earn points, to help save some money off of your, your youth camp costs. Like, tonight's goes out, I think, at 7 o'clock, and it's actually really easy to do. Um, So, think about it. But, you know, there's ways and there's opportunities for you guys to serve and to see and to meet the practical needs of people. There's a Hebrew word in the Bible that's often translated as the word peace. But when the Bible says peace, it's not only talking about the absence of war. It's talking about a a world that's complete and its whole. And it's in perfect balance. Does anybody know what that word is? What is? What's the Hebrew word? Shalom. So in Hebrew, if you want to learn how to read Hebrew, which, I mean, it may not be a bad idea, you read it this way. So you read it backwards. So this is, you go that way. Shalom. You read the Hebrew not the English. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate that. How do you read the top in French? So well So there's no vowels in the Hebrew language. And so what they did over time is they put in the dots or those little lines there in order to signify that there should be a vowel placed. And so you just read it this way. So it's probably gonna be um, like the s s h sound here and then like the l sound and the m sound shalom That's easy what does it mean shalom that, i just said it means peace so whenever you go to i i heard that mean it's, i mean whenever like this is the common phrase when when you say hi to somebody that's that's a jewish person you would say shalom like that's how you would Address somebody instead of saying hello, you would say shalom. It's it's that's kind of like their their phrase, their greeting phrase. Salam. It's very close to salam. That is the Muslim greeting because their languages are pretty close together. Jerusalem. Anybody know ever heard of the city of Jerusalem? That's the city of peace because the root Salem is taken from this root word of shalom. Although it's not really the city of peace by any stretch of the means. But anyways. So this word Shalom, it means peace. In the world, in our country, in our neighborhoods, in schools, there are needs, but there's also there's excess. Some people have more than enough, while others are in desperate need. Some people think there isn't enough to go around, so they hoard things and only help people who they think are valuable. Do you believe that there's enough to go around, or do you think we need to hold tightly to what we have? Other people think that there's enough to go around because they've never had enough. They may only have secondhand shoes that don't fit right. Their pantry might be empty because their family can only afford to buy food one day at a time. They might be new to this country and they're still trying to acquire the things they need. Maybe they're from Igoja and they're still not quite sure what's going on. I mean, you laugh, but that's the same kind of thing. I mean, that's that's the whole point of that Igoja rite of passage experience, right? To see what it's kind of like for people when they come here. They may not have everything. For some of you, you don't have to imagine this because you already live with needs like these daily. But the tragedy is all the people all over the world struggle to get access to basic resources like food, water, sanitation, and education. There's enough to go around. I just had some friends um, that went to the Dominican Republic for a week and they helped build some water wells and clean up some existing ones so some villages can have access to clean drinking water. And we can go drink water out of any tap we want to but i mean it's midland water but i can guarantee it's gonna be better than what they're going to be drinking they don't have access to that kind of stuff but the truth is there is enough food in the world to feed everybody but our systems don't prioritize sending food to all the places in need there are enough shoes for everybody but we won't we won't run out if everybody has a few good pairs there's enough space and materials for houses and many houses all over the world just sit vacant But some people are still without homes there are imbalances in the world, but, how, but we can help bring shalom, we can help bring peace by working to put things back into that balance. So how could we help create shalom wherever those needs exist? Remember, so we're trying to create that peace. So look at these, looking back at these things, how can we put things back into balance? Remember, shalom, guess what, well, it means peace, it means like harmony and, and complete balance in the world. So how can we put the world back in balance when it comes to food? This is when you guys give me the answers out loud. I can't read your minds. More food? Like how? Grow more food. Grow more food? Give the food to a lower price to Lower prices? Send to the people who don't have it? Like the supply goes up, so the demand goes down. All right, what about, what about water? How can we help the imbalance of water in the world? Don't waste water. What'd you say? Drink less water. Drink less water. So if, by how? If we drink less water, how is that going to help other people who don't have access to clean water? Send water to other people. Help them dig wells. Help them. We could. Yeah, we go We could. All right. What about? What about shelter? What about? How can? How can we? the imbalance of shelter that people have in this world they don't have homes build, build, homes. House. build homes buy a house, give a house. Buy a house and <laughs> give a house yeah because everybody can do that pretty easy what about medical supplies become a, doctor. become a doctor I have a friend that's a doctor and he takes time every year to go overseas to help people I mean, I think people from our church have been on medical mission trips since I've been here. I mean, there's ways that you guys, so I just want to get you guys, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but I want you guys to see that there are, there are needs in this world, and that there are ways that we can meet some of these needs. We're not going to be able to reach all of them because we're just a select, small handful of people, but we can do something, and that's something that can, can change the world for somebody, and that's, that's really all I'm asking you guys to do. Because one per- one person working alone can't cure these immense imbalances in the whole world. It takes community to care for people in need. And that's why Jesus tells his followers to help set things right. That's what we're called to do. Because God seriously cares about people in need. If you follow Jesus, meeting the needs of those who are in need is a huge part of this whole Jesus following thing. I don't think you're ever more like Jesus than when you're meeting the needs of the hurting and the lonely. That's... That's, that's my belief. You can disagree with me, but I think that's one of your most like needs. That's who, he, that's who he reached. So here are a few tangible ways that we can be with people who are in need. The first thing is to, to start small. These big needs, um, they might seem overwhelming, like digging a water well for somebody. So start by looking at small needs around you. Maybe somebody in class needs to borrow a pencil or someone forgot some lunch money. Or maybe you notice these little things it will be easier for you to notice the big things around you as well. Identify needs in your community. There's so many programs and nonprofits just in our neighborhood, the things that we do, the things that we can get involved in here in Midland. You guys can go and be involved. You don't have to do it with our group. You can go and do it with your family. You know, We can fundraise. We can show up to help. We can donate supplies that they give to people who need them. Um, so there's ways in our community, like I said, through the Baptist Christ Center, through the Jubilee Center, and several other ministries and organizations that we guys, that we can be a part of to help meet the needs of people. Maybe identify needs at church. You know, our church is working to meet the needs of people. Like I said, we we are sending people on trips. We're sending people here in town to do things. Like I said, we're going to be doing things within our youth ministry this summer to meet the needs of people. Tag along and hop on board with one of these things and get involved. The last thing is to bring your own talents. Maybe think of unique talents that you have, like playing sports. If you get into my Dutch calligraphy, making movies, or being a leader, people follow. Think of the groups that you are already involved with from school, or maybe even outside of school, and then get creative about ways that you can use the activities you already enjoy to help meet other people's needs. In Angleton, we did a fundraiser one night where we just we carried buckets of water. Uh, we had a little indoor gym, and so we just we had two five-gallon buckets of water attached them to a, a pole, and we took turns carrying them around and raising money to help build water wells in Haiti. Nothing difficult, nothing hard about that, but we were able to raise some money. But you guys have the ability to do something like that as well. But we all have the power to address the imbalance in the world and help set it right. The only way that we can do this is in community and with God's help. And sometimes you're the one in need, and sometimes you're the one who has more. But whether it's someone across the room, across the ocean, across the streets, we're called to be with people when they are in need. God, I, just, I pray you bring to, to, to mind things that we see, um, God, where we can meet the needs of people um, in in a practical way, whether it be through food or through water, through clothes. And whatever it may be, may, we, may, we, may our eyes just be transformed to see those things, God, and to be more open and aware of these situations, God, and, and may you put in place in our hearts ways that we can meet those needs, God, that we can... See a change and and, and um, be there for these people who are in need, God. And um, we'll be more like you by doing those things. Pray for this next little bit of time. May you just be um, glorified in all these things. In my pray. Amen. All right, we'll do a couple groups. You guys go.